Welcome to Media in the Mix, the only podcast produced and hosted by the School of Communication at American University. Join us as we create a safe space to explore topics and communication at the intersection of social justice, tech, innovation, and pop culture. Today, we welcome Jen Tanner, another AU alumna. To give you a little more background on our guest, Jen Tanner graduated from American University in 2012, where she studied public relations with a double minor in music and Spanish. She received her master's degree in music business after graduating from AU at New York University in New York City. She fiercely began her career with internships at MGS Communications, Sirius XM Radio, The 930 Club, DBCPR and New Media, and finally RCA Records, where she went from a strategic marketing intern to current vice president in the last 10 years. In 2022 alone, she was named on Billboard's 40 Under 40, as well as Variety's Hollywood New Leader lists. As a bilingual professional, Jen continues to focus on bringing together her love and skills for music, artists, and global brands to create meaningful stories for her audience. And we are so proud to call her an AU equal. All right. So thank you so much, Jen, for joining us on the SOC podcast today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, okay. So I want to start first with kind of your path from AU to RCA Records. How did you kind of navigate your own path? And I know everyone's is different, but hopefully, you know, our students can learn a little bit about knowing what you want and sticking to it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny hearing it that way because when I first got to AU, I definitely did did not know what I want. And well, I thought I did, but I was totally wrong. I started out in SIS and I thought I was going to be the next like diplomat to a Spanish speaking country. And it was like really like first semester that like I was in class with a bunch of SIS students. And like, I thought I was passionate about it until I was surrounded that people that actually were. And I was like, oh, I got to shift because I'm never going to make it if this is my competition of people who are like, way more interested in this than I was. So I kind of took a step back and I was like, what am I that obsessed with? And for me, like it was iTunes and music discovery and like just going to shows like that was the thing that I found myself spending all my free time doing. So I switched over to SOC. One thing I really loved about SOC is that they required you to get a minor or major in something else. So for me, that ended up being music. And I kind of just went from there. I think AU, given like DC and just like the AU energy in general of like encouraging people to intern was really helpful for me because I knew I was interested in the music industry, but I didn't know the first thing about the music industry in the beginning. So I just kind of like hopped around and figured out like as many internships as I could do. I interned at Sirius XM as a music programming intern, like editing radio shows. I interned at the 930 Club, which I thought was going to be my dream job until honestly I was there and it wasn't, but I'm happy I got to experience it. I interned at a PR firm given that I was in public communication that I was like, well, maybe there's a publicity route. So I think that like AU prepped me really well in that I was able, like with my scheduling, was able to figure out how to intern so much mm-hmm. over the course. I mean, I started my first internship as a sophomore at SiriusXM. So that awesome. by the time I graduated from AU, I had tried a few things. I moved to New York. I got my master's in New York. And part of my grad program's requirements was to get an internship. Awesome. It, w- it ended up being in brand partnerships at RCA. 
And like it to me was a combination of it. It was a, I really liked this work for the first time, but also I really clicked with the team that I was paired with. So I kind of just, I held on for dear life. I interned for a year, which is a luxury to be able to do that. I mean, now luckily interns are are paid at RCA. Changed a little bit, which is great. <laughs> yeah, we love to see to see people getting paid for work. The bare minimum. <laughs> right? But I did that for a year and I kind of just held on for dear life. And what I really drew me to brand partnerships specifically is that you always get to be creative. The work is not monotonous. Every day is different. Like the landscape has even changed so much from when I started that like we're Every day we're we're essentially becoming experts on like a brand new thing. Right. And that's kind of what's keep me motivated that I'm constantly learning. And I, I like you don't feel like you're in a rut because there's always something new to chase and kind of go after. I'm sure in different projects and initiatives and yeah, yeah everything's different. And just a, a side question. Did you always know you wanted to do the business side of music? I never realized there were so many different ways you can go. And even that, I mean, like I, I definitely can't sing. So I couldn't go the performance route at all. And honestly, as a music minor, music theory was by far the hardest class I ever took at AU. Interesting. Oh my okay. God. That was second semester senior year and was rough. yeah. But I knew, yeah, I, I think I was always intrigued by marketing in some way once I figured out like and I knew I liked talking to people I mean even back when I thought I was going to be like a diplomat I liked the idea of like learning about new people and their stories and where they come from so I knew I wanted to do something a little more social yeah and the business lends itself to that but I do think that like people don't realize how many ways you can go within the music industry I think people think of just like you're an artist or you're a producer but like even talking to other people like to go into brand partnerships there's so many different ways you can go and honestly it's one of the things that drew me towards it because in the beginning when I first started at RCA like I don't know if record labels are even going to be around much longer at that point so I was like well, I don't want to go into radio. Uh, Who knows if radio is going to be like relevant in five years. But I was like, at least with brand partnerships, I could pivot and like go do this somewhere else. And now it feels like brand partnerships are having a moment more than ever, which is exciting. I was just going to say, I feel like that's something that's like, well, now everyone needs it. So it's a good yeah. to have. It used to be called strategic marketing. Like nobody even knew it existed. Right, 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 right. And I do have to ask, do you feel like, because like, I'm sure your projects expand globally, but do you feel like your international affairs side has kind of helped that in a way? Like it's all kind of come full circle? A little bit. I mean, there's days I feel like I'm definitely a diplomat still. Yeah. And I, we do a lot of deals, well, in like a couple ways. One, like I work a lot with the me like given that RCA is under the Sony umbrella I work a lot with the me of other Sony music territories across the world so like the UK like arm of brand partnerships like they're like family to me I talk to them all the time I talk to the German side of brand partnerships I mean Sony as a whole we do a lot of work with like Sony Electronics and they're based out of Tokyo so there is a little bit of like cultural communication and adapting to just different practices and the way people do business that like you have to adjust and right. be malleable to that po- to that portion that not everybody moves the same way right. that they do in New York or LA. So you have to be able to to adjust to that. That's awesome. Yeah, I did a, with my SOC degree, I did a psych minor and I was oh, like, cool. oh, am I ever going to, you know, like what I thought I wanted to do clinical psych and then 
my career shifted entirely. But <laughs> I still I'm like, you know what, I really did learn from that a few of those side classes I took because learning about people learning about how people interact, my job is so hands on. That it's- yeah, it comes in a lot of handy, I think, like even just like the formality of knowing how to sign off a note to, to certain people. And yeah, how to approach conversations, because a big part of my job is negotiating, right? So you kind of need to know how how you think the other team is going to react or what will be received well. Right. And I'm sure you have to like regulate emotion. Just everything's got to be. That is probably the MO of my job. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I just have to ask because we have been kind of talking about interviews lately. And I like that actually the conversation is happening more in general of just you know, I'm interviewing for a job. It's not just about what I can do for you guys, but it's about what you guys can do for me. Yeah. I love that, that that's the conversation happening because it is a two-way street when someone's applying for a job. So you've been at RCA for a long time now. So can you actually just speak a little bit of advice onto the, you know, the qualities that kind of kept you there, the qualities that you were looking for in a job? Because I've talked to a lot of people that have jumped from place to place, which is great. And I trust in the film industry, that is my resume, but it's so unique to talk to somebody that's been there for quite some time that I'm just curious so that the students can hear kind of a different perspective on what do you look for in that workplace environment and just people you're working with and such. Yeah. I mean, for me, there's there's a few things that have kept me at RCA. I mean, it sounds wild. Sometime this month, I don't know the day, will be 10 years and it makes me wow. feel like I'm a million years old. But it's a couple of things. One, like I mentioned, when I started as an intern, I really clicked with that team. And the team that I started with went on, the woman who led that department ended up being my boss for about the past seven years. She left only in like 2019. And she and I had a really great connection. I consider her a mentor, but really what was rooted in that is she gave me the opportunity to kind of be a self-starter and ambitious and go out on my own and try new things. And even if they didn't work out, that was fine. But she always gave me the opportunity to to try and to make something of myself. She was amazing about putting me in rooms where I had an opportunity if needed to speak up. So I had a champion in that corner, which was great. The other thing I'd say though, and because it looks it looks like everything's easy on paper, but there were a lot of a few obstacles along any path. And yep. for me, there were a couple moments that I did look elsewhere and I considered leaving, had a few competitive offers. And in each of those moments, RCA stepped up and they've allowed me the opportunity to grow, which was another thing that was really important to me. It's really like they've let me step up, even like I said, when when my mentor left. I mean, she had been at the company for 17 or 19 years or something. Wow like that. And for me, I mean, this has been my only full-time job ever. And for them to give me the opportunity to step up and attempt to lead the department rather than bringing in somebody older and above me, like was such like a testament to that they really are trying to let people grow and take a risk and it's worked out. And those are things I think that I've, I've really admired about, about Sony and about RCA of looking for a team and a direct report that you think that you can trust and will be personally invested in you to grow. And you hope that the that the company will do that. I mean, obviously, that's much easier said than done. And you don't always know it when you originally sign up for a gig. But I think really like trusting your gut on that dynamic with a direct reporter, whoever you'll be 
reporting into is it, it's a, it can be a total game changer for good or worse, depending on how that connection is. Yeah. And I love that. It's like, it goes such a long way when someone believes in you just a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's like, just let me try. Let me go for it. Right. I love that type of environment. And then I guess piggybacking off of that comes to the next question, which what have you learned just in terms of, you know, creating these partnerships and brands and whatever it may be if you're involved in a brand campaign and you're having to interact with another team that you may not know. Like how does that process work and what do you look for first? It's a mix. So the thing that we always look for baseline is like a natural affinity and connection, but it works both ways. So like on a day-to-day basis, on one side, I'm talking to artists and managers, our internal marketing teams about what an artist has coming up, whether it be a new release, a new album, they're just interested in a certain brand. And then on the flip side, we're talking to brands and agencies every day. Sometimes they're brands that have a clear music strategy and they know what they want. But a lot of times it's brands that like the idea of getting into music or might be intrigued by it, but it's a little bit of an education process of okay. what that looks like. So like the way we really describe it is we're we're matchmakers. We're essentially taking like what we're having a conversation with on the brand side and also pairing it with what we think works well on the artist side or depending on what the artists say to us that they want to go after, we're cold reaching out to brands sometimes. And honestly, the best way to get a response sometimes is just flattery and hearing that like, hey, one of our artists mentioned you by name. They really want to work with you. Right. What can we do? So it's definitely like a mix of all of it, which... I really like because, again, you're always learning about new brands and we work a roster of 200 artists and we're a team of three. So it's a lot, but it's also focusing on who's coming up next, what we have as far as new releases go, who's like starting to kind of catch a little bit of wind underneath their sails and and a brand wants to hop on now. So it's about relationship building. But the root of all of it for us is really natural brand affinity and somebody could see that happening like we hate we don't want to van a white a product and just make it cheesy because we're in a time where we'll get called out immediately right so yeah natural connection is definitely the most important that's super interesting what's been over your career like has there been any artist plus brand pairing that has surprised you the most the one that has been the one recently that has made me just feel so like silly in some ways of like how this has worked is we recently had a pink music video come out late last year for a single called Never Gonna Not Dance Again. And this video takes place in a grocery store. And so it's just been brands that I never thought I would interact with. Like there's a Stouffer's product placement in that video. (laughs) If you watch it. And it was just like, who, who would have thought that like they would come to like Stouffer's would be like, yeah, we'll be in a pink music video. Let's do it. (laughs) And we had a handful of offers in like the food category, which was just so, it it was just totally new from what we did. So that one really kind of caught me off guard. Like you would never really expect that. But I think- Some of it has also been like one big goal for us this year is Lotto, who's a female rapper Mm -hmm. on our roster and we're really excited about. We learned that she loves drag racing. So like that's something that like we really want to go after now because we know there's a natural affinity there, be it with a car brand, be it with like GTA or video game, like Formula One. There's so many ways you can go with it that we're the masters of knowing like the trivial things about artists that nobody does. Okay. Interesting. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like (laughs) I have to like really dig deep in order, I guess in order to know that it's going to be a real genuine connection though, right? Yeah. Like that's the things we want to know. Like we want to know what artists are doing in their free time or what they're into. Like 
because the the two main goals of my team are A, to generate revenue, but B, to expand yeah. an artist audience. And right. a lot of that, we try to root as much as we can in music, but so much of it is also personality. If Lotto is able to, if we're able to find a really strong partner for her that ties back to her like natural passion for drag racing, right. that could expand her to a whole new audience who might not be familiar with her yet. Right. So it's stuff like that, that that one we're accept, like obsessed with. Like we know uh, one of the emerging artists on our roster, Sam Fisher, he's like, very vocal that if he wasn't a musician, he would probably be a professional tennis player, or tennis instructor. Like it's just knowing that like brands will reach out to us and they'll be like, who do you have? Like yesterday I'm doing research on it t- today. They're like, who do you have that's obsessed with star Wars? And I'm like working on it. I know one name off the top of my head, but like I'm working on it. Yeah. That's so fun. Especially in this day and age. I feel like we got to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, and we're the the home of niche knowledge. (laughs) That's awesome. Or I guess I'm just going to jump to the girls who code. I love this idea. So it's the first codable music video. Yeah. Okay. Can you expand on this this whole project? And if anyone um, listening, it's um, the music video was Doja Cat's. Yep, Doja Cat's woman music video. Grammy nominated this year. Stay tuned. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's awesome. But yes, please expand on this because I love this idea. I think it's so unique. This was by far one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on. We do a lot of video product placement. And typically, it's always very much like it's like Stouffer's or it's like a liquor brand. And it's very kind of like step and repeat a little bit of like what of how a brand is working with an artist. Like you'll get like a logo shot or you'll get a certain number of seconds in a video, but girls who code and their agency Mojo supermarket came to us and they said, Hey, we have this idea to make a codable music video and we really want to show, I mean, obviously the coding and STEM is usually male dominated and they wanted to show young women that coding can be fun and coding can be cool. And it's more than just, zeros and ones and they wanted to make it accessible and while not everybody's wanting to watch a video about how to code a lot of people are wanting to watch a doja cat video so we partnered with them and going into the music video we identified a few elements that would be really fun to kind of codify so if you watch the music video you can then go to girls who there's a doja i think it's dojacode.com And you can play with certain elements with code to change parts of the music video. So like with code, you could change in one scene uh, the color of Doja's nails and you can make it certain elements. There's another scene moment in the video where there's these like leaves falling, these petals falling in front of her and you can change the color, how many there are, the speed at which they're falling. And it's just making coding really cool and really accessible. And showing, yeah, and hopefully with the with the hopes of showing young women that coding can be fun and cool and even even your favorite pop star is part of it. Right. I love that. And, and that's so true because I don't think anyone would think to really go watch a video on coding otherwise, you know? Yeah. That's super unique. Yeah, we we really love that one. It was it was a great idea. And we loved working with them. We actually then have now expanded that relationship with them and Meta, and we've brought them on board. And we're working, we've done one with, um, we did one with Doja and we're working on one with Lotto now that now we're breaking uh, Instagram filters with with the girls who code based on music videos for different artists. So it's, it's ended up being like a really, really great relationship. And it's also exciting to see like, 
young girls get to work with like stars they might idolize. Right. And and make some change that actually ends up going on their profiles. I mean, for Dojo, we did it with the filters as well. And they went live on our profile Coachella weekend and like they were made by teenage girls. So like it's nice to also we do a lot of work on the music industry side that sometimes it seems silly, but when it can also like do some good is right is really exciting when you kind of see it making a difference and like giving these young girls opportunities that they might have never had otherwise i mean that's just awesome yeah it's it's been a it's been a really special one that's great let's just transition into digital platforms changing the music industry i think it was somewhere where people are talking about how like tiktok is the new soundcloud and i i just wanted to get your thoughts on that like how is it kind of affecting your work and kind of where you go to maybe research or just learn. Yeah. I feel like there's so many platforms nowadays. Um, and please educate me on any of that. You know, I take sure. like everyone, everyone knows, but yeah. How has that just changed kind of like the way you guys do things? Yeah. I mean, I think it's changed in a few ways. I, one thing that we really love about TikTok is it seems to be one of the few social platforms that directly ties back to streaming. Like if there's a trend that goes on TikTok, there is usually a direct correlation to seeing a, a spike on streaming platforms like Spotify or Apple Music. For us, I think there's really two things that has has adjusted because of it. One is quick time reactions and us moving really quickly. If we see something that's starting to bubble up on our side for one of our artists, how do we double down and really fan the flames there mm. so that it's not just like a flash in the pan and might turn into like something with substantial growth that it's requiring us to think creatively and, and re react really quickly on how to capitalize on one of those moments because they happen organically and we just want to make sure that that they stick around and aren't like a fleeting moment, which many are. Um, the other thing that I think TikTok has really exacerbated and has changed directly with my role a lot is we're learning that we're in this like time of like very niche communities with like massive like reach, but like you need to truly become experts in those fields. Like everyone's FYP pages are totally different, yeah. but to connect an artist in that way, like you really need to kind of like talk the talk. It's not just like pairing an artist with a community where it doesn't make sense. Like I've and now like learning from my peers who are super fans in these spaces, but I'm learning about anime, even though I'm not a big anime person, because yeah. that's a very passionate community. And we have artists who are super passionate about it, but it's our job to connect those dots. So it's that it's gaming for sure. Like I'm, I got a Minecraft like 101 from somebody internally the other day because <laughs> like it's a hat. They all have massive reaches, but right. like you need yeah. to connect in an authentic way. And I think TikTok has really kind of honed in on that, that everybody it's a catering to these very specific communities and groups of people. So it's kind of forced us to kind of really like tailor partnerships and digital campaigns more than ever to, to kind of reach those people. Do you feel like artists have almost like a little bit of less pressure nowadays? RCA or any type of similar company is having to really talk the talk because they're like, we know you have other avenues that maybe you can explore. Like I always think about that in terms of an artist's mind. Have you noticed that when you land an artist, it, it might must feel like they really trust you to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going this direction. Yeah, I think the conversation that we have a lot of with artists is that the hope is that you create a dialogue or a conversation about you, that the uplift shouldn't be like, yes, is 
does it help when an artist is actively engaging like regularly with their fans? Most of the time, yeah, it does. But you don't want it to be cheesy to a point that you're posting five times a day and being like, hi, I'm eating. Like it right. needs to be authentic. And if done correctly and done well, hopefully you're starting to create a dialogue between you and your fans. Mm-hmm. That alone kind of alleviates some of the pressure off of you because then your fans are creating a dialogue about you amongst themselves. That's so interesting. And now I feel like fans have, they speak a lot of power into the world because you know, fans yeah. and like audiences are just, they're a big part of, I think, an artist's career nowadays. Which oh, is I mean, that's all of it. And we're living in a time now that you don't need to be like only a fan of so-and-so. Like you can be like a fan of so many, like music is more accessible than ever. And there's such an element of discovery that you can be a fan of like, five different artists or like like a dozens of them and it's just like growing your own kind of like tent right yeah that makes a lot of sense okay yeah I guess on the last lesson which I like to word it what have you learned that you kind of wish you knew at the start of the industry I think a couple things that I wish I knew at the beginning yes as many as you want one you don't need to vocalize everything you hear and you don't need to vocalize everything that's told to you a lot of the music industry is relationship-based. I mean, I will say I got my master's. I don't know if I necessarily needed my master's in the music industry. Yeah. It's all it's all relationships. And I think you like relationships need to be treated like gold. So always be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. No matter what, be respectful and timely when you're responding to people in email. Even if you get an opportunity and you're not interested in it, let that person know. It's also a very small community. So just be very mindful of the relationships. Do everything you can to not burn bridges because there's a very good chance you're going to work with those people again in another capacity. So that's one thing I would say. And also the most important thing I think I've learned is like I am at nature a pretty competitive person and the music industry is competitive in many ways. Don't worry so much about what everybody else is doing. Just focus on your own game, figure out what you want and what will make you happy and what will make you succeed. And don't really worry about like the speed at which other people are doing things around you or who's moving where and don't let like all of that noise come because a lot of people a are saying noise that might not necessarily be true, but be like, it doesn't really matter. That second one, I think, is one that took me quite a bit of time to learn. And I only kind of learned it in the past like three or four, like about the last three years, the beginning of COVID, it really became clear. And I would have saved myself a lot of sleep and anxiety if not. That's really, really good advice, actually. This might be a little bit of a repetition, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your advice for like genuine connections in the industry? And that could go for a work relationship or a friendship. So because you're doing, you know, partnerships all week long. Yeah. Have you any advice for kind of the qualities that you look for there? Uh, I look for transparency. I think that is at the helm of it. Nobody likes to be dragged along only to to have something not work out in the 11th hour. I think transparency is key. I think intentions being clear is also really important. And I think it's also consistency and making sure that you're you're coming to partners with with things for them that that it's a two-way street, I think is really important. Nobody likes to be known as the person that only reaches out when they need a favor. That all relationships are a two-way street. So nurture those relationships. And I mean, I think personally and professionally, that's super important that don't always be the friend that that only gets calls from other people. Call your own friends. <laughs> like I right. think it's in any relationship, professionally and profession- 
personally goes a long way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. Is there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't go over? I mean, I think this is great. I mean, like I said, I think the the internships, especially that AU champions and encourages students to do like made such a difference for me to even be able to get the internship I did at RCA going into it because I had that experience that outside of learning what I do like and what I don't like it, it really sets you up. So take advantage of it. Do you think there's value to then obviously trying things that maybe you don't like, but just to know you don't like them? Yeah. I mean, I think within music industry, within the music industry, especially like you don't know unless if you try and college is such an unique four, four year period for a lot of people where if you're not going to like put yourself out there now, when are you going to, you know, like try it. The worst thing that can happen is that you don't like it. Like at that point, it's not like you need to change. Like you're so early that you can change a career track or within music. There's so many different ways you can go that like, it's an, it's a process of elimination. Like I, I truly thought I was going to work at a venue forever. Like I thought that was it until I did it. And I always said that A&R was not for me, mm-hmm. but a lot of my closest friends now work in A&R. So like, it's just like, yeah, you don't like, yeah. if you have an opportunity to try something, even if you don't think you're going to like it, why not? Like most internships are only what, three or four months. You can use that time. Why not? Try, try for like, try it and you never know. I mean, I just moved across the country like three months ago and it's a, a lot of that same mindset. Am I going to love LA? Who knows? But like, why not try it? And I do love that AU does that with internships because we've had so many people just go off and do cool things. And they're like, I did this internship when I was a sophomore, junior, senior. And you're just kind of like, oh, DC maybe not always be the city that people first think of when they think music industry, but it exists. Yes. And even in DC, like there's, there's opportunities in the entertainment industry. You can work at radio stations. You can work at venues. You can work at brand agencies yeah. That specialize in entertainment marketing. You can work for brands in-house that might have an entertainment arm. Yeah. I mean, there's opportunities everywhere that sure, like music has nucleuses. And like I said, we moved here to be closer to the creatives, but especially if you're just getting started, like there's there's definitely ways to to get some experience under your belt in DC or, or wherever you are. Um, you just gotta look for it. Yeah, you just gotta look for it. That's the thing. Do your research, network, yeah. For sure. So you recently moved to LA. Yeah, late October. Okay. Are you liking it? Is it? I'm adjusting. I'm I'm learning. <laughs> I mean, with work and the holidays, it's been like been pretty crazy. a whole thing. But I mean, as a whole, RCA has done a big shift to LA. Most of our company is now based here. Pre-COVID, we were largely in New York. And the thought process behind that is we're a creative company. Right. To really succeed, we should have close relationships with our creatives, our artists, and they're largely based here. That makes sense. So, and that is, and I, I will say, I think that that's been correct. Like I, we are now sitting with artists and growing close, closer relationships with them now more than ever. I probably see at least one or two of our artists a week. And before it would only be when they're in town. So, or if I had a specific shoot that sent me out here, an event that sent me out here. Gotcha. So that part is is like pretty true. And and I understand the reasoning behind why we did it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Jen, for joining us on the podcast today. It was such a pleasure to meet you and have this conversation. Thanks for having me. This was great. 
you'd like to check out our bi-weekly episodes dropping on Wednesdays on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, go give us a listen, click that subscribe button, and if you'd like to support this podcast and the School of Communication, go to giving.american.edu to donate now. And that's a wrap.